Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a Black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. We are back this week. We will be discussing the reshuffle, the Labour reshuffle. Keir Starmer has shifted in and shifted out members of his front bench team. So he'll be flanked by some new faces uh, from today, from Prime Minister's questions today. He'll be flanked with new faces. Um, So we'll be talking about that, reshuffle in the Labour Party. And then we will be moving on to the reforms by the government to health and social care. So they released, uh, voted on rather, um, uh, new proposals last week in how care is to be funded for people who who need care later in life. And lastly, we will be going across the pond and discussing the momentous occasion on the 30th of November yesterday of the now Republic of Barbados. Barbados no longer has Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II by the grace of God as their head of state. They have Dame (laughs) Sandra Mason. So moving on to the reshuffle, as Corey has so eloquently introduced with his, you know, trademark enthusiasm. Kia, our favourite leader of the Labour Party, has indeed started his second reshuffle in a year. Uh, It's not finished yet, I believe, but he's most of the way through and he's made some changes to his front bench cabinet. I mean... I'm going to tell you guys because it's important, but I just don't think it's that interesting. It's interesting in how it's very clear the direction the Labour Party is moving. They've made a quite clear move to the right, um, to the political right, not just, you know, the Labour right, to the political right side of politics. To the centre. To be quiet, I'm talking. (laughs) They've moved to the right. They have not moved to the centre. In what way have they moved to the centre? Huh? I mean, no, you go ahead. Introduce what we yeah. can discuss later. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, thank you. Honestly, I can't even get through what you're saying without mansplaining. So they've moved to the right in not just my view, to the political right. They've, um, that is with the bringing in of Yvette Cooper as Home Secretary and David Lammy as Foreign Secretary. Those guys have not been shadow, in... Shadow, shadow, shadow. Yes, obviously shadow. <laughs> <laughs> obviously but obviously um what was I saying yeah so those guys have been moved into the cabinet who have not been in the cabinet since they were since Ed Miliband's um Labour Party and we know how well that went uh it was quite important to note that last time when he tried to do the reshuffle it sort of stalled in the first few steps as Angela Rayner made quite a lot of pushback. So this time the reshuffle was announced and made during Angela Rayner making um, an important speech about political life and the public sphere, which many people saw as a calculated move to ensure that she wasn't able to sort of put her nose in and sort of get in and try to exert any other political will. Wed Streeting is now Shadow Health Secretary. He is a well-known Labour minister who is seen as on the right, but he gets quite a lot of... um, publicity he gets himself on tv quite a lot so he's seen as quite um public um public relations savvy there's also lisa nandy has been moved from foreign office to the minister for leveling up which is technically a demotion but i actually think it plays into her roles as somebody who is from labor blue 
which sort of works if she's going to be counteracting the levelling up um, policy that Boris is putting in place to be, and she's also from the North as well. Labour Blue, what's that? It's a, uh, it's like a, a small Labour pressure group within oh, okay. Labour that oh. are Labour Blue. I mean, it's quite obvious what they are really, isn't it? It's, if, it's like if you had Tory Reds. Um, Do they actually call themselves Labour Blue then? Or is that what you people call them pejoratively? What's their actual name? It is Labour Blue. Oh, okay. Why do you assume that I'm... <laughs> and who is you people? Don't say commies. Anyway. I, I, I didn't say it. I'm... Continue. I can see your face. What was I saying? Yeah, and then Ed Miliband, uh, you know, a young fave who's, you know, generally a nice guy, has been moved to his shadow secretary for climate change. However, there is no existing department for, um, there's no current secretary for climate change, so he's not really shadowing anybody. So how important that role is, is up for question. Emily Thornbury is now shadow AG, which I think is actually a really good role for her. I know people like to hate on Emily uh, Thornbury, but I really like her. I think she has good points, but I know obviously she's, uh, you know, considered one of the metropolitan Islington elites who eat, read The Guardian and eat quinoa. So she's not going to um, play well with the masses. But in general, it's sort of a continuation of the moves that were made earlier this year with the bringing in of Rachel Reeves, who is very much to the, the, the Labour right as well. And you can sort of see how, um, as P Peter Mandelson is back it within the fold and is acting as an advisor for the Labour, an advisor for Keir, you can see very much his hand in all of these movements. And there's also a, a good thing to note, actually, is that there's been a major reduction, I think about by a third, if not more, of political advisors to um, cabinet ministers as well. And some people are actually going to have to go without political advisors. And this sort of also highlights how much Labour are struggling on the financial front. Since um, the change of leadership, there's obviously dwindling membership, dwindling membership fees as well. There's about a third, if not more, of people have left, members have left the party. So all of these things, not just the reshuffle, but the things that are going on behind closed doors show that, you know, these guys are trying to find their footing and I'm assuming they're looking for um, money, not from members, but they're going to be looking for money from donors. So it's going to be sort of the Deloitte's, the uh, Mission Dureas and whoever else it is that they're trying to um, massage and to look more palatable for to, to, to the people that they're going to be asking for money, um, which, you know, the Tories do very, very well. I don't think as I, what I, what is most important to me, I think, is that Keir has to realise that you cannot out-Tory the Tories. And being Tory light is not going to, um, it's not going to get you where you need to be because the Tories can do the Tories much better than you. And they have the political power and will and buy-in from the members of their parties to drag their party closer to the centre or to have to um, in, inject large amounts of money in infrastructure and even if they're not doing it they have the um, political will and the media will to be able to make it look like they're doing and talk about that that's what they're going to be doing to get them the votes and this idea that the people who left Labour to vote Conservative are going to come back because you know now um, Yvette Cooper is on is, is Home Secretary and she's you know is parroting pretty's anti-immigrant rhetoric it's not going to make people vote for Labour because 
the the market difference and the market change what happened was in, in the, the, um previous labor voters to move to tories it wasn't just the jump it was very much labor brexit brexit party um ukip conservative that's how the step went and a lot of this this has to do with Brexit and at the end of the day a lot of all of these people that, that you've got on the front bench a majority of them were calling for a second referendum so and just pretending that all of this didn't happen the current leader of the party was somebody who was calling for a referendum who many other people including people like Andy Burnham were saying is an absolutely ridiculous idea so pretending that all of this now no longer happened and that Brexit isn't the reason that we lost a lot of these votes and also the loss of Scotland and not taking that into account means that we're never going to get there because we don't have Scotland to shore up the Labour Party, which is what it was able to do in general elections anymore. It's just not happening. So this idea that we're going to be able to steal an, enough of a, a majority of Tory voters to win in England following being Tory light, go. Yeah, but here's the thing. Tell me. You've, you've, you've said that they can't out-Tory the Tories yet. You're, by implication, what you're saying is they need to sort of go harder on the last war, i.e. Brexit. Number one, none of them are really claiming, none, nobody's, none of them are calling for a second referendum now. Yeah, okay, it might have been two years ago. Nobody cares about that anymore. They're no, not I'm, not saying, I'm not saying what, that they're what, calling for a second referendum now, but they're pretending the like that, wasn't, that, that, wasn't, what, that wasn't, wasn't, the major, wasn't one of the major factors in the previous election. And now they don't talk about Brexit at all. So, but... but 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 what I'm saying is that doesn't matter. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna form an opinion on them now. Most people or most people are not gonna form opinions on them now based on them calling for a, a second referendum two years ago. Like most that's people that's don't know who Keir Starmer is. Exactly. So so they even more of them don't know that he was calling for a second referendum. Nobody cares about that anymore. But you're saying that they need to um, acknowledge Brexit, etc. So essentially, what I'm what I'm guessing by implication, and tell me if I'm wrong, is what you're saying is they need to what go harder on the benefits of Brexit. But isn't that basically going in the same direction as the Tories? So what do you want them to do? Do you want them not to out-Tory the Tories? Or do you want them to keep going on about Brexit like the Tories? No, but talk about what we need to be doing, because currently we're having a, a massive supply chains issues, which part of it is to do with Brexit and part of it is to do with the global supply chain issues. Talk about things that... The, so the Tories said that these are the benefits that we should be getting from Brexit. However, that because of the steps that they're taking, we're unable to get those benefits. So what needs to happen? These are the things that we need to be doing. How do we um, re, um, reshape our landscape outside of the European Union? What are your plans? How, what is your plan that is different to the Tories okay. so that we can see these, these growths? It does, it's not about saying Brexit is good or Brexit is bad. Brexit is. So what are the changes that you think we need to make? Tories are talking about okay. levelling up, you know, the um, levelling up the north. That is not happening. HS2 is now no longer happening. So what do you think should be happening? Lay out a framework. Okay, all right, fair use. Um, you also missed out your fave, my fave. Your fave. Your fave, who is now the new shadow foreign secretary. I did not miss him out. I, I brought him up first. You did not mention David I, Lammy. I did. I said, I, I said Lammy is now the foreign secretary. You did. I mean, you spoke I... about Yvette Cooper, your your bomb chum, apparently, which I need to ask you about as well, Emily Thornberry. Um, you spoke about everybody else. You didn't mention David Lammy. Who's I now, absolutely you know, did. Shadow mention... Foreign Secretary. I absolutely did. I absolutely did. Offices of State. He I absolutely at the top of your list. did mention David Lammy being uh, the new Foreign Secretary. You probably just didn't hear. Shadow. I Shadow, Shadow Foreign Secretary. Shadow Foreign Secretary. I did mention it. I actually think it plays to his strengths. Really. In what sense? Because he was... Um, he studied international uh, law, didn't he? Justice uh, Minister. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure he said studied international law at uh, Harvard or so. Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. When he went Harvard. to Harvard. 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 Yes, he did go to Harvard. Harvard. Um, okay. Yeah, obviously, I know he's a lawyer. I didn't know. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, because he was, he was, he's now being promoted from um, Shadow Justice. Technology. Maybe he didn't. I'm not 100% sure on that, yeah. but I think he Shadow studied Forest. something international. Well, he just studied law. Um, yeah, I guess. exactly. You study law, that you have an international law component to your law degrees, don't you? Yes, you absolutely do. Anyway, yes, it's very, uh, so very excellent and very interesting. So, yeah. um, you know that that puts that puts a um, a uh, higher melanin count on the front bench of the Labour Party than there was before. Um, oh, as in one? <laughs> actually, no, it's the same because he was on the front bench. He was shadow justice. So it's gone from so one to one to one. Yeah, so but a higher one. Because Shadow Foreign Secretary is more important than Justice. So what you're saying is that we continue to have one. And the current... Um, you know what? Let me, even, let, me not, let me not even talk the... about the Conservative front bench because it's actually it's embarrassing. Because Keir Starmer's talking about... And this is what people are saying. So, and there's been so many people who have recently left the Labour Party who have talked about the blatant... Um, you know, racism that has been going on behind closed doors, whether it's over or covert or whatever. And it's sort of like, why are we the supposed, why is this the supposed progressive left party never had a woman leader? And it can, and this current iteration can only manage to have one black person on their front bench and one Asian person on their front bench. Well, go on for that. What's, what is that about? Mm. Well, well, anyway. That's your team, isn't it? It's um, not my but, team at all. Anyway, uh, Emily Thornberry. I, uh, let me, I, I want to, let's, uh, you know, whilst we're still on this topic, let me probe that a little bit more. I would not have expected you to be an Emily Thornberry stan. She of, um, gr uh, she of white Van Man disparagement fame when she uh, took the make out of, well, seemed to take the make out of, you know, the plebs, the lower classes. How was she your favorite? How was she a favorite? I don't say she was. I didn't say she was first. I just I like her. I think she um she's really good at um narrowing down on points. I think she does. She does, um does very well in certain interviews. She's very um eloquent. You know. Oh, she definitely that. Um, but you know, so are a lot of people. Okay, I like <laughs> those. Don't I like necessarily some... like like who. I mean. Half the Tory front bench are very eloquent. I'm pretty sure you yeah, don't like any also, of them. Yeah, but they generally hate my general existence. So, you uh, know. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> where's streeting? Where's streeting? Where's streeting? I always, <clears throat> every time I see where's streeting, I feel that bit older because he was the NUS president when I started uni. Wow, so, uh, look at that. Good for him. And now he's yeah. in the cabinet. Shadow Health cabinet. Sec. Whatever. Health very different. Very different. Well, no, because very we obviously know that Labour are not Cabinet in power. Run the country. Yes, and we definitely know that they don't run the country. Like it's implied. Okay, but yes, West Streeting, as you said, he's been promoted to Shadow Health Secretary. He's just uh, he he was had a pretty well, I say high profile. Yeah, he, he he was uh, basically he's recovering from cancer, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Um, or recently recovered. Uh, so yes, Shadow Shadow Health Secretary at thirty eight year old, thirty eight years old, potential future leader. Of what? Labour Party. I mean, he's, you know what? Sure. <laughs> That's a question. I'm wondering, do you, do you, what, you know? So, you know? You know what? No, because I, I don't want to be disparaging, so. Sure. Mm, okay. 
well, you can tell me what you were going to say uh, once we've uh, clocked off. <laughs> the government narrowly won a vote in Parliament last Tuesday. Uh, and this is a part of the great social care reform that the government are saying that they are finally doing and finally, finally doing what should have always been done. Um, so essentially what's happening is um, they want to vote very narrowly, as I said, 272 to 246 in Parliament last Tuesday. And what this does is, it do, well, amongst many other things, it amends the law so that it, it changes the amount that people will have to pay when it comes to contributing to care costs that they may incur later in life if they become unwell or you know perhaps uh, suffer from dementia, etc. So under current plans, if you have assets less than £14,000, you currently don't have to pay anything to for, for care. However, if you have assets worth more than £14,250, to be exact, that is the point at which you start paying for your own care. Now, what the government have done is they have said, look, if you have assets worth less than £100,000, we are not going to charge you a penny and your care is covered. However, once you hit £100,000 in assets, after that, you will start paying and it go and the, and what they've done is that the big thing, the, the actual, the, the biggest thing that they've actually introduced in this is that they've introduced a cap on how much you pay for your care. So the cap now is, well, there was no cap before. Uh, so that's why it's the big thing. And the cap now is £86,000. So what this law does, it guarantees that nobody will pay more than £86,000 for care costs. Now, what's the big problem? What's the big problem with the U-turn? Well, the U-turn that they've been accused of is this. In the 2019 manifesto, Boris Johnson and co said, nobody should have to pay for their own, let me rephrase, sorry. Nobody should have to sell their home to pay for their own care. And what's what as a result of this law now, what people are saying is, well, you've gone back on that because people are still going to have to pay, uh, sell their homes. Now, I would note that the manifesto says nobody should pay, have to sell their, their home. Never said we will make sure that nobody does. But obviously, obviously, everybody rightly interpreted that as we will make sure that nobody has to sell their own home. And this was a big part of Prime Minister's questions last week where you had Keir Starmer peppering Johnson for going back on his word and, and essentially not doing anything to stop people having to sell their homes. The, the big issue here is also, apart from the U-turn, is that it will disproportionately affect people uh, who live in different parts of the country. So whilst, yes, it does protect those at the very bottom end, so those who have assets worth less than £100,000 will not pay a single penny. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. You will start to contribute if you have assets from 26000 But the issue here is only contribute. You won't have to pay for everything. Whereas once you get to 100000 you have to then start paying for everything up to £86,000, if that makes sense. But essentially, the issue is, um, or the good thing is, is that if you have assets of £100,000 or less, you're not basically going to have to go pay you know use your entire life savings slash assets to cover your care costs uh, it will be a very minimal amount however the problem is this if for example you live in a regular smaller sized town let's say blackpool somewhere up north or in the midlands that is not a major city and say you have a house that's worth two hundred thousand pounds or let's even go a bit further down let's say you have assets worth one hundred and six thousand pounds mm -hmm. 
because you've gone over the £100,000 cap, even if you are only worth £106,000, once the, the, once the uh, sorry, you've gone over the threshold, once the cap of £86,000 is paid, it means you're left then with £20,000 to pass on to your next of kin. Whereas if you live somewhere, let's say London, okay. and you have a house worth £506,000, you are in the same position in that you only have to pay £86,000. And so your estate, your next of kin, your kiddies and your grandkiddies will be left with £420,000. After they've so paid the inheritance tax on that £500,000. Well, everybody pays anyway. inheritance tax. But the point is this. If you live, if you have assets, uh, if, you, if you have assets which are, um, you know, higher than mo- most of the people or even just above the average, or if you live further down south, the point is, is this, this disproportionately affects people who have higher assets. And, and lest you accuse me of, you know, beating on the South. No, this is also uh, a privilege that people in certain northern cities have too. Like where I live, Manchester. Because house prices up here are quite high also, not as high as London. So people up here are more protected. So what this law does, it does protect those who have um, higher worth, higher net worth. Because you are those people will be paying as a proportion of their of their estate they'll be paying a lower amount um so they'll be losing out less in terms of their their care costs so yeah that's basically it um it has only gone through its first vote in the commons it's now been passed to the lords as happens with any law it'll go back and forth between the commons and the lords so who knows what this actually will end up looking like but at the moment uh, the first vote in the house of commons was won the government won that vote very narrowly and as things stand, those who are worth more will be better off than those yeah. who are worth less because they will be paying the same amount. So the, the issue here with a lot of people is, is that it's not very progressive. No. Um, it's almost a strange coincidence with Tory policies that somehow... You jump on that. I should, should have used a different word. But no, the, no, but it's just so but interesting. Yeah. Is that like with, I just don't know how they managed to achieve it. Like no matter what, even with something that's supposedly supposed to help everybody, somehow the people who have the most the people who have the most benefit the most and the people who have the least somehow always end up being gazumped. I just, it's just such an interesting phenomenon. I just, I wonder mm, how sure they do it. Sure it is, okay, yes. Sarcasm much. But, as a, <laughs> you know, but because the, the, issue, the issue is, again, because the, because the £86,000 cap is universal, it means that somebody with a house worth £106,000, as I said, and long-term social care needs, which cost hundreds of thousands of pounds, could end up having their estate reduced to just 20000 Whereas, as I said, if you if you uh, have a five hundred thousand pound house, again, you're only paying eighty six thousand, and so you're leaving a much higher proportion of your assets to your next of kin. But in I, also, that instance, I do reason- also want to point out. I know you're saying yes, but mm, London. But then again, let's also take into the fact that you know house prices in London are astronomical anyway. So five hundred thousand pounds. You're talking about five hundred thousand pound house is a two bedroom flat. Do you know what I mean in London? So and then. Also, inheritance tax kicks in on anything on any assets worth over three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds. Yes, as well. But inheritance so, tax applies. The the applies to, would apply to. It doesn't matter where you live. The point is. No, no, it doesn't matter where you live exactly. But again, so there's what I'm saying is that like, there's that's why it should be means tested. I can understand why it's not means tested because obviously the amount of admin that goes into means testing. But I think it should be, be geographically tested. So I think that in the same way that the government have managed to do us a, a very good scheme with help to buy, help to buy uh, mm, uh, loans, mm-hmm. where they 
um, you know, the, the scheme for first-time buyers where on a new build that you will get an interest-free for a few years loan from the government to put towards your deposit. And they 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 don't give everybody in the country the same amount. Mm-hmm. So they they what they do is if you live in London or the south or or the southeast, for example, the house price on which you can use that is a lot higher mm-hmm. because that makes sense. Yeah, of course. They should do the, they can do the same thing with this. And Absolutely. it can be a case of, okay, well, if you live in um if yes, okay, fair enough. If you live in 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 London, what we'll do is we will say, okay, well, instead of eighty six thousand pounds, um, no, your cap you'll have to pay a bit more but because but because your house price itself is is two times three times the price of someone who's living in say Blackpool or Scunthorpe they'll pay less than the 86,000 pounds so yeah. it's, it's fairer so Absolutely. yes because I, I agree with the fact in my in ideal world for me I don't think I think social care should be totally tied up with the NHS and I think it should be free at the point of need and if that uh, it's adding, very interesting then, because I fall on the opposite the side really Oh, don't so, make a face. Wait, no, no, no. No, no, let I'm me finish. No, 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 no because I'm, not, we, I'm not making a face. I'm just saying it's interesting. Made that, okay. a face. We kind of we we almost we we cross to the other side on this issue. So you think that so whereas I think that the um that so that care care home provision should be treated in the same way we we provide for hospital care, you think that it should be totally means tested. So we've literally crossed the aisle on that one, haven't we? I do absolutely think, not maybe necessarily totally means tested, but I think there should either be, there should be a cap out at the top or a cap out at the bottom. So over a certain amount of assets, there should be a requirement. You know, if you own more than one home, one of your homes should be sold to put towards, you know, any sort of long-term care. I don't think that's unreasonable. Okay. I don't think people should have to sell their only home to pay for care, but I do. I do also don't think that children have a right to inherit their children, their parents' property. If your parent requires long-term care that you are not able to provide for them in-house, or you know can't, cannot provide for them in-house, then you know maybe you have to sell their assets. Yeah, I mean, it, and then once some of those assets expensive. are gone, then you should be able to lean on the state. But I don't think the burden of this and um, the bur- the burden should be completely on the state because that means that the burden is completely on the taxpayer. Yeah, well, the thing is, if see what I don't understand with that that argument. I mean, the part of let's say the part of that that I don't understand. I do understand and sympathise with some of it, but a part of that that I don't understand is this: if you believe that healthcare should be a right, no matter the cost, well, well, isn't dementia or some other debilitating condition which means you need constant 24-hour care isn't that also uh, an issue of healthcare and shouldn't that also be provided in the same way that we provide for people in A&E or on outpatients uh, in the same way that I don't have to pay to see my doctor why should I pay or why should uh, why should somebody in their in their old age have to pay to be cared for if they're also they have another sickness but Um, because I believe because I believe then it's an it's an it's an extraneous burden that if you have the means to contribute towards it the same way that people sure um, you could use the argument me, that to say then let me finish let, you're, but you're asking me you're asking me care. you're asking me to um, clarify my point so let me allow me to finish so for instance if you because let we're judging it we're, we're judging it on the average person and then there's the outliers or whatever but I'm saying is that yeah. if you you know, have, you know, um, descendants and people around, not, you know, it's different if you're on your own, blah, 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 blah. These were all these things have to be means tested. But if you have three to five properties 
and your children feel like they should inherit all those three to five properties and not contribute to any sort of long-term care that you require either by them providing the long-term care and then getting some help from the state but rather than the state is providing all forms of long-term care and you don't provide anything at all that doesn't make any sense to me why of course donate some sort of assets towards the nhs that is going to be providing your care towards you because that is what is like let's be realistic otherwise you're asking for you know essentially 30 to 40 years potentially worth of care from somebody who has you know millions and millions of pounds of assets who doesn't feel like they should contribute anything towards it who is maybe who probably is not even paying any capital gains tax and is living you know is getting money sent them sending their money offshore no 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 fine fine i hear i i hear the rationale there my only thing would be is people who don't want to contribute to the tax base also don't want to contribute to their own care no the only issue there is by that logic you would then have nothing to say because somebody could use that very same argument against you in, mm-hmm. in, in, in arguing that certain people then should have to pay when they go to hospital. Because that okay. same logic can be used. Well, you've got five houses. Why can't you pay for your own heart surgery? No, but that same, that same argument can be used again. Uh, be no, because you're no, but no, because this is the thing. It's like when you're no longer, you're no longer in, you're no longer in the, um, the, um, the, the tax base in terms of you're no longer working. This is what it's about. It's about end of life care, essentially. And if you're, you're talking about, and, we, and if we're talking about we have an, an inheritance tax, I think get rid of an inheritance tax, get rid of that completely. And this is what this is what we're using instead of rather than having an inheritance tax, I think it's ridiculous. Get rid of that. And then as an alternative into inheritance tax, you donate one of your seven houses towards your um, your long term care, because also there's also tiers of care as well. Mm. Well, yes, there are a lot of caveats here because this also it also only covers um probably more time than we've got here but it covers there are certain caveats in terms of you know it would have to be care that a local authority chooses for you or exactly or rather not so much chooses for you but if you want a certain care option that your local authority doesn't think that you doesn't want to give you or doesn't agree with wants to give you an alternative then you would have to go out of that. pocket anyway so there, are, there are some caveats in it with that one last thing i'd say on this um are the numbers in terms of the voting so as i said it was quite narrow it's 272 to 246 18 Conservative uh, MPs rebelled. So that was another rebellion for the government. But as I always bemoan, they've got an 80 seat They are not majority. rebelling enough for my liking, but only eight, exactly. When you've got an 80 seat majority, 18 rebelling, it, whilst it's an ego blow to the government, to the government, it's not, it, you know, it's not that important. I doubt it even counts as an ego however, blow, to be honest. However, there were 70 Tories who didn't vote at all. Now, really? if you consider the fact that it was 132 MPs in total who didn't vote, but 70 of them, so that's more than half of the MPs that didn't vote, who were conspicuously absent for this vote, were so where, So, who, so that a, we can also talk about the other parties who failed to have MPs turn up to vote. Thank you. So, and that was, that was the, sec- the, the second part of this point I was going to make. So the Conservative government have an 81-seat effective majority. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that 70 didn't turn up to vote, so that cuts their effective majority down to uh, less. Um, and the fact that that 18 voted against if the other parties had had all of their people Mm -hmm. in the chamber voting it would have defeated the motion by seven but they did so so the fact that it's not just so so it it just goes to show that even if you have a, a decent majority there is still the opposition party still have if they had the balls, if they had the conviction to say, you know what, by any means necessary, we want to crush this bit, this this provision, they could mm-hmm. have done it because if they had all of their people turn up, 
And so, and then accounting for the 70 Tories who were AWOL and 18 Because Tories it was a three-party whip on the Tory side, wasn't it? Um, I... Oh, no, or, that, or, or maybe that was I don't what think, they... No, I don't, in fact, no, they I'm use, a, they use they their three-party yeah. whip on Owen Paterson, I believe is what they Oh, used. no, yeah, they were whipped on that one. But That's what think, they use their three-party whip for. I don't know if they were whipped on this. I doubt they would be. Um, but yes, uh, essentially, if the other, if the if every other MP from from every opposition party was in the chamber and voted against, it would have been defeated. So it just shows, as I said, that you know, for 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 all they like to they like to say, oh, we're not in government, we don't have power. Yes, okay, sure. If if all of the Tory MPs turned up and voted, then you can't do anything about it. But the fact is, many of them didn't turn up, and if all of your people did turn up, it would have been defeated. So that's what. So the next time you hear Keir Starmer. Or, or the SNP miserable guy who who you love, or any of the others going on about that. You know, the next time you hear them moaning about uh, the Tories doing this and the Tories doing that, the next question should be: sure it was well, DUP and those guys well, what about your what about your MPs who didn't turn up? Why weren't they there? So yeah, that's a great point. This week, I am covering our diaspora story, and we're going back across the pond. Barbados is now a republic. <laughs> Barbados, Barbados, Barbados. I was in a clubhouse room and that's how the Americans say Barbados. Barbados, Antigua. Anyway, Barbados became the seventh Caribbean island. Well, sixth island, seventh country, seventh country, because of course Guyana isn't an island, but the seventh uh, Caribbean country to become a republic following Haiti, of course, the OGs in 1801, uh, Dominican Republic, Dominica, Trinidad, Guyana, Cuba, and now Barbados. So yes, Barbados ditched Her Majesty the Queen as their head of state. Uh, oh, yesterday, the... someone said Jamaica next, and I said, "Okay, mm, <laughs> okay, mm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're being <sighs> realistic." Oh uh, boy. Anyway, let's talk about Barbados for now. Yeah, we, sorry, we'll. Uh, I do have something to mention about Jamaica, but let's stick on Barbados for now. So yes, Barbados. Uh, as I said, they ditched the Queen. This was following a very determined and follow-through plan. Not something you can always say about politicians and their promises. But Mia Motley, Prime Minister of Barbados, said that she was going to uh, transition and make that final step in the road to independence. And she's done it. Yes. Notwithstanding, I always do mention this and I feel it's important because on, tell us. as much as Mia Motley is a figure, I think, to be admired and respected in terms of Caribbean leadership, I, I, I agree. Go on. Go on. With all of the flowers that people want to give her. She, Go you know, she, 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 she backs her talk. She backs her chat. Mm. However, there is a portion of the Bajan population who are not happy with the way that um, this whole road to Republic has taken because they feel like there's just not really been any consultation. We don't need to belabor the point. We did discuss this last time we, 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 we spoke about Barbados becoming a Republic. But no, I think it's legitimate. And I'll say it again, it's legitimate that people feel is. that they, they didn't have, if you believe in democracy, that people have felt that they haven't had a proper say in the process. If you believe in um, democracy, you should get rid of your queen. Well, yes, of course, that's the counter-argument. That's, the, that's, counter the, that's the most important thing, I think. Yes, counter-argument is democracy is, to say is that. not having a queen who says that they're better than you by virtue of birth, mm. really. Well, I think that's the key cornerstone of a democracy, no? I agree. Should we, I'm just not we... sure Lizzie would say that. I'm not sure Lizzie would say she I feels mean, like she's better. We... Anyway, this, again, this isn't exactly, about Lizzie. Yeah, so. It's not about Jamaica. It's about Barbados. So, um, very important. The 55th year of independence and on the 55th anniversary they said you know we are now taking everything back to ourselves i think it's important to note as well i was i was in a few clubhouse rooms as you do yesterday on this and a lot of people you know talking about barbados um being decoupled from britain and not getting anything from britain anymore it's important to note that barbados has been an independent country for 55 years yeah, and they've been managing themselves and their affairs 
internally comparatively to the rest of the Caribbean quite well for 55 years. And this was just the last last two percent step to just say, you know what, Move. why do we have our head of state three thousand miles away? Bye. You know, we'll we we're happy to stay friends, but bye. But you don't need um, to be the leader. You know, you don't need to be our head of state. What have you got to do with us on a day to day basis, or even on a year to year basis? Nothing. Mm. It's important for people psychologically, and that's why it's important for I think the rest of the sort of about was it eight nine other islands who still have the queen as head of state, um, because people, you know, for example, the Barbados Police, up until two days ago, was called the Royal Barbados Police Force, mm-hmm. and then and then the post, uh, not the post, so, um, the crown, the, you know, Barbados in, in the same way that we have crown lands in the U- in the UK. There were, till two days ago, certain areas called crown lands. So those changes have been taking place and they're no longer crown lands. They're now state lands. Mm-hmm. The Royal Barbados Police Force is now the Barbados Police Service. Mm-hmm. However, people in the Barbados Postal Service are quite annoyed that now they share a um, abbreviation and it's getting confusing for them, the BPS. But that's 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 their issue. <laughs> the, 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 pro, the, the main thing there is, is that these... Uh, references and affections to names of of royalty of 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 a Colonial family overlords. Yes, yes, have been removed, and yes. it's important for people to see that to live in that. It's important for people's sake. Um, it's important for the, so the yes. head of state of your country to look like you. That too. So Dame Sandra Mason, um, she's she's now the new president, the first president of Barbados. She was sworn in. Love to uh, see it. And. And that's the other thing as well, the swearing in process. So Mia Motley was re-sworn in as prime minister. And when she was sworn in the first time, she pledged allegiance to the queen. And now when she was re-signed in, she pledged allegiance to Barbados. That's what Again, we like to see. That's another important thing for people to see, hear and feel that they're, the person who's running their government pledges allegiance to, to them there as opposed to you know, essentially a family that ha- was at the top of a structure that oppressed them for 350 years. Absolutely. So, and yes. And it has benefited financially still for many years. Although I think it is important to, to know, and this is way beyond this. Yes, yes, way beyond this. Mm-hmm. I do I do think that yeah. it is over. a lot of the... It's... <clears throat> Yes. Royal involvement in Go colonial exploits uh-huh. and, oh, yes, and slavery yes. mm-hmm. just the proceeds, is, right? Is often overblown. Okay. Insofar as insofar as there were some royals who mm-hmm. were disgustingly bad, mm-hmm. but there were other monarchs who were quite benign and really didn't have much to do with it. It was and, more but the did state. they all financially benefit? I am not saying that there is nothing if to be you said financially I'm benefited, saying then... overblown for some. Now let me no let me let me finish. So for example, so why won't you give back the diamonds then? Listen, listen, listen. Tell I'm me, not, I'm not absolving. It. Just let Please. me finish and make my nuanced point. Okay? Make your Thank nuanced you. point about the subjugation of a people for four hundred years. I'm, see, that's not what I'm doing, and that's what I'm saying. That's that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm doing. What are you doing? That's not what I'm doing. What are you doing? You know what? No, 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 no. Now the Please. point I need to make, and for it to be properly digested, is going to take a while. So let's just leave it there. Yeah. I am not, but just just to put it out there. You know, in case anybody's listening to this and thinking I'm absolving, you know, absolving anybody of, of guilt who's guilty. I am not. I am not. OK. You just think that you don't think that the the royal family or their descendants and beneficiaries benefited as much as we you think the case is overblown that they benefited as much as we say that they did. 
No, that's that, again, that's not what I'm saying either. Oh, well, I'm asking you to clarify. That's what I'm saying. That's clarify. not what I'm saying. That's how you're interpreting it. And that's how probably people will be interpreting it. And that's not what I'm saying. That's why I'm but giving you the platform to explain. No, because we got to go soon. Um, but yeah, I just did want to make a last point about other islands following suit. Uh, so the head of Jamaica's opposition party, Mark Golding of the PNP, uh, today said mm. that, what did he say? They will take steps, basically saying if the PNP are returned to government next elections, they will be taking steps to, to move Jamaica to being a republic. Oh, please. B-S. What a load of nothing. Full <laughs> a chat. Because please. 10 years ago, his okay. predecessor, Portia, mm-hmm. said, the, I, I repeat, her words verbatim were, time come. She said, time come. She said it was time for Jamaica to, to move, to make this move too. That was 10 years ago. His predecessor, his party, she didn't do Jack. Unless I, be, unless I be seen to be uh, defending the JLP, pox on both their houses, because both parties in Jamaica have said that they're going to move, make this move, and they've not. And, it's and not you just Jamaica. got appointed to the, the um, Privy too. Council. Yeah, to all the islands too. So, so they really need to, they need to, a lot of these other islands, they need to take stock, they need to look at Barbados, and they need to be like, well, why can't we do that too? Because as Portia said, time come. For real. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBanePod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said.